Good morning, church. It is great to be here at home. As you know, we serve as your missionaries, and so we are in and out uh, between trips uh, around the world and trips across the country. And uh, just like to remind you a little bit about the mission that we work with, Indigenous Ministries International, and we work in particular uh, trying to reach uh, or to equip and encourage nationals to reach their own people. And there are a number of reasons why that makes sense. Nat nationals already know the local language. They are experts in local customs. Once they are trained, they will work, focus on uh, their own community. Uh, and within a few weeks, not years, nationals are engaged in the process of seeking to make disciples in their own country and a national retires in his own country and ministers into retirement years as a resource of wisdom uh, to his people. We work, of course, with uh, Dr. John and Dee Cook. Uh, the Cook family has a long history uh, with our church, uh, his dad having come and spoken many times and helped in the process of, our, of raising funds for missions, of which this church has had a tremendous ministry over the years. Uh, Linda and myself uh, work in a number of ways with conference speaking, uh, both nationally and internationally, men's and women's retreats, and uh, uh, then teaching uh, here uh, at home and abroad uh, in an academic setting, uh, and then conference uh, speaking and development and then uh, as representatives for Indigenous Ministries, uh, seeking to help to raise funds to encourage and enable those workers that we work with around the world. Here are just some of the countries that we work with. Uh, Jordan, Iraq, uh, the Galilee, Israel, uh, Egypt, India, Indonesia, and the Philippines. I'd like to tell you more about those countries and about our work. Come this evening. We'd be delighted to share with you and to interact and to answer some questions and particularly to talk with you about some of the things that are happening in Syria, some of the things that are happening in Egypt. Uh, I correspond, uh, in fact, last night uh, I texted back and forth uh, with a young man that we work with in Egypt and I would be delighted to share some of his perspective as well as perspective of others and some of the things that are happening on the ground there that I know you have a great interest in. One of the places that we have a great focus on is the country of India and we work with uh, a college there called Grace Bible College. It's about 10 years old and there are 160 or so graduates of the school and it's 10 years and 90% of them are serving the Lord as pastors and pastors' wives and missionaries to their own people right there in central India. Uh, one of the things that we do is uh, engage in the academic uh, world there in that college. And uh, last year I taught uh, the Gospel of John, New Testament, Old Testament, and hermeneutics. Uh, and we will have the privilege of uh, doing that again this year. Linda accompanies me uh, when I do my best because she takes uh, my feeble efforts and does a good job at communicating uh, with the young people with a second voice and also in helping me to understand uh, their perfect English but my imperfect perception of their perfect English. Uh, so if you know what I mean. And uh, just a, a spot here, we uh, have an ongoing relationship and express our, our love and this church's love in many ways. These are Von Cartwright's ties that you see. 
that we uh, took and shared with the young men in India last year, and uh, they were delighted to get those. So thank you, Vaughn, for your contribution in a very special way. And as you know from years past, we've also shared things from Pastor Bruno and from others uh, with them. Uh, this year, uh, I was uh, involved in graduation, as I have, the pri have had the privilege for the last several years. Uh, there's a dedication prayer for those that were graduating. Uh, and I was asked uh, to speak at graduation this year. And I was thinking about what to share with these young people. Uh, and as I was thinking, it was middle of the night, uh, I was thinking about my grandchildren. Of course, some of you may recognize this young man. He's my two-year-old grandson who is, run, you see him running around here from time to time. His name is Parker. And uh, Parker uh, is a joy, and you never quite know what's going to come out from him and what's going on in his little mind. Uh, but as I was laying there thinking about Parker, I reflected on a story that had recently come to me of some of his uh, communications and antics in, in uh, Matt and Nicole's house in the kitchen. He has pretty much the ability to go and look in the cabinets and kind of explore. That's a good healthy thing for uh, a two-year-old to uh, have the opportunity to do. But also there's some boundaries and there's one cabinet that is a no-no. Well, his uh, cousin uh, uh, was there taking care of him as uh, she does uh, so well, and this particular day, she was leaning over and looking into that cabinet that is the no-no, and as she was looking into that cabinet, Parker came up behind her and tugged on her dress, and he says, no, no, to her. Well, she continued to look for what she was looking for, found it, closed the cabinet back up. She started to walk away, and as she's walking away, Pastor, or Parker's walking right behind her saying, no, no, no. You have crossed a boundary. Well, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about what, Lord, am I supposed to share with these young people here in India? And the Lord said, tell them no. Give them a message from Parker. So if you've wondered about to this morning's message and that mysterious title to it, no, 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 it comes from a two-year-old, and you're in for some wisdom this morning, uh, because it never gets better sometimes than what we learn from our kids and our grandkids, right? Amen. How many grandmas and grandpas do we have here this morning? Yeah, lots of us. And uh, thinking about that, the Lord gave me three thoughts to share with these young people that were headed out into life and ministry after their time of preparation uh, there at Grace Bible College. And the first thought is this, don't be disillusioned. The second thought is do not be disappointed. And the third thought is do not be discouraged. Now with what? And what am I talking about? Do not be disillusioned with the gospel. Why would we ever be disillusioned with the gospel? The problem that we face in today's culture, both here and around the world, is a problem of relativism. You're okay, I'm okay. What's right for you is right for me. What's right for me is right for me. What's good, you know, it's whatever you want to do and do it with sincerity. That's the measure of what rightness and wrongness is. And 
the gospel plays against that. The gospel is a very clear message uh, that man is a sinner and cannot save himself, that Jesus Christ is the God-man, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day, and that there is no other way to a right relationship with God than through that gospel message, through belief and a relationship uh, in Jesus Christ, through what he has done for us that man cannot do for himself. And man would like to think, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere, as long as you're good. Now, where do we come up with an idea of that? The idea of man's goodness. Is there goodness in man? Why, certainly there is. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, God said, let us make man in our own image. So in the image of God made he them, both male and female made he them. Man is made in the image of God. And even though man is evil and fallen, there is still that of the image of God that is seen in mankind. Jesus spoke to it in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. He said, you being evil, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father have the ability to give good gifts? Man is evil in terms of his relationship with God. He is separated from God. And man is evil to his fellow man at times. But there is a goodness in mankind still that is a reflection of the image of God. And so we want to make it okay. All of us are okay by virtue of the fact that we're trying to be good some of the time. And it's up to God to kind of overlook the fact that we aren't as good as we sometimes think we are. But what does the Bible say in relation to this thing of the gospel being our hope? Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. No matter how good man may be, man to man, before a holy God, we are not righteous. We don't measure up. Romans 3.23 puts it this way. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, we were created for the purpose of glorifying God. Glorifying God by reflecting his moral attributes, by reflecting his love, his justice, his mercy, his grace. We don't do a very good job with it. There are elements of it that are seen in our justice systems and in our behavior towards one another. But it is abundantly clear that we fall short of reflecting the glory of God in moral justice and character and love. Or else, why are we in such a mess around the world and on the brink of war again? It looks like over the millennia we should have learned something, but we're not learning very well, are we? It's a scary predicament we find ourselves in. How many of you are concerned about the world situation that we live in right now? Yes, we are. And the mess is there because we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and continue to do so. And the wages of sin, the Bible tells us, is death. 
what we earn, what we have the capacity to earn, is death. The wages of sin, because of our fallenness and our sin, we earn for ourselves death, separation, separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is something that we cannot earn. The wages of sin is death, and all of us are sinners. And what we earn for ourselves by virtue of the fact that we are sinners is separation from God. But God has spoken to that dilemma, and he has given, through Jesus Christ, the gift of eternal life to any who will receive it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But you might say in response to this, well, you know, I may not be perfect, but, you know, I do my best and, you know, hopefully my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds and therefore God will kind of overlook the bad stuff because my good stuff is kind of made up for it. No, that's not what the Bible teaches either. In Isaiah 64, 6, the Bible says all of our righteousnesses, all of our good deeds are as filthy rags before God. They are unacceptable to him. Why is it that our good deeds would be unacceptable to God? Because they're done as an expression of our own independence. They're done as an expression of our own pride. And in that independence, we bring upon ourselves, even with our goodness, more of God's just wrath. James chapter 2, verse 10 says, If a man keeps the whole law and yet offends, it is as though he were guilty of all. If a man keeps the whole law and yet offends in one point, it is as though he were guilty of all. There goes my idea of my hope before God on the scales of justice. Because if I kept the whole law and yet offended in one little point, it is as though I were guilty of all. Because God is absolutely holy and righteous and cannot allow sin to be unanswered for. And so the answer he provided was in the Lord Jesus Christ. Last time I was in India, uh, I was sitting and having tea with a friend of mine. His name is Mr. Haji. Now, you know another Mr. Haji that I've referred to, and I'll show you a picture of him. Uh, He is uh, a Muslim retired federal court judge that I have a friendship with. I'll tell you more about how that friendship started uh, tonight. But this is his older brother who is also a friend. Now, Mr. Haji's in his 80s, and the senior Mr. Haji is in his 90s, and this is the man in his 90s. And we had tea, and we talked about our faith and about the world and so forth. And at the end of our conversation, I stood and we looked eye to eye with one another and I prayed for him and for his family and asked for God's blessing. He said, you know, Dr. Isles, we're going to be okay because we Muslims and you Christians are uh, seeking to be good people and we believe in the one God, so we're going to all be okay. He doesn't understand. It is only through Jesus Christ. How can I be so hard-hearted? How can I be so foolish? 
because the Bible makes it absolutely clear that the only provision for man's sin is through Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. There is one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That is extremely offensive, my friends. It was offensive in Jesus' day. It is equally offensive today. But I say it with no pride. I say it with no arrogance. I say it because it is the truth of Scripture borne out in the life, the ministry, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is mankind's only hope for a relationship with God. You know, I was in Dallas, Texas several weeks ago, and um, I, it was the middle of the day, and I got this harebrained idea of going for a walk-run kind of thing, about 100 degrees. I know I'm nuts, about 100 degrees, but I decided I would take care of it by running in the shade. So I was running under the sh- in the shaded uh, areas and you know, talking to the Lord and rehearsing some scriptures. And as I ran, I saw a couple of guys coming toward me on bicycles with white shirts and ties and black pants. And I saw those guys and I said, wow, I'm impressed. They're out here sharing their faith. I'm thankful we live in a country where they can go around and share their faith. And I'm thankful for their commitment as young men uh, to uh, to do this. But Lord, I'm praying for them because I fear they don't really know you because I know something of what they believe. Well, Lord, I'm praying for them, and I really don't want to talk to them. So I kept running. Went around the block, and lo and behold, around the block on the other side, there's those two young guys again. Lord, I'm thankful for these young men. Thank you for bringing them across my path, but I really don't want to talk to them. So I ran around longer on the block, and guess what? The next time I came around, There they were again. And I said, Lord, if you want me to talk to these guys, you're going to have to really make it clear. And one of the young men came over to me and he said, you know, we've seen you three times now. We think the Lord really wants us to talk to you. I said, okay, Jesus, we're in for a ride here. It's 100 degrees in the shade. But we sat down and we began to talk. And I listened to what they had to say, and they kindly listened to what I had to say. And I pointed out some things from Scripture and quoted some Scripture to them. And one of the thoughts that I shared with them is what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. Christ is of no effect to you, whosoever of you that would seek to be justified by the works of the law. You are fallen from grace. You see, one of their points was, yes, Jesus died for us, but we have to do good works, and we're out here doing good works and sharing our faith. And I said, guys, that's great you're out here sharing what you believe. I applaud you for that. Thankful for the country that we live in, but fellas, salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. For by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, 
lest any man should boast. I appreciate your good works. I appreciate what you're doing. But guys, you are slapping the Lord Jesus, whom I believe you have sincere affection for, in the face by thinking that you can be saved by something that you would do in addition to what he has done. And listen to what Paul says. You have made Christ of no effect. You are fallen from grace. We came to the end of our conversation. They were genuine young men. And one of them looked at me and he said, Who are you? You been to seminary or something? I said, You know, fellas, that doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus loves you and he loves me. And he offers us the free gift. And they looked at me and they said, we don't know who you are. Would you pray for us? I said, I'd be happy to pray for you, pray with you, fellas. And the young man said, no. Not with us, but for us. And I prayed for those young men. And I continue to pray for them. There's a world of people very sincere, very religious in many instances, but they don't really know Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It is mankind's only hope in this world. Not only for life in this world, but for life in the world to come. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Don't be a disillusioned with it because men think you're narrow. The truth is always narrow, my friends. Do not be disappointed, my friends. This is our second no. Do not be disappointed. Do not be disappointed with people. Have you noticed people are less than perfect? <laughs> I love the two statements. Uh, be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. And the other one that says Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Have you noticed that your brothers and sisters in Christ are far from perfect? And maybe there are moments of time when you recognize, you know, I'm not there yet either. The Apostle Paul made it very clear. If you were looking for someone to be a super Christian, I think we would all agree that Paul would be maybe our number one candidate. But the Apostle Paul said of his own testimony, his own life before the Lord, the good that I would do, I don't do. The evil that I would not do, I end up doing. Romans chapter 7, verse uh, 19, and he reiterates similar thoughts throughout Romans chapter 7. Same apostle Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived in my spiritual life. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 3. So if Paul had a struggle, it is no wonder that we have a struggle. If Paul had a struggle, it is no wonder that our friends and our neighbors and our relatives who name the name of Christ are 
less than perfect. And those who don't know Christ are less than perfect. Tragically enough, though, I have to observe <laughs> that sometimes there are non-Christians who are better Christians than Christians. That's just a tragic observation. The reality is none of us have arrived. God has an answer to this dilemma. In Romans chapter 7, Paul cries out, O wretched man that I am, because of the struggle between the good and the evil that I see within me. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? And then he answers his question, but thanks be unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is at work within us. Paul expressed it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation. For it is God who is at work within you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In our struggle, in our imperfect living for Jesus Christ, God is at work in a process. I'm thankful for that. And for the assurance that God is at work within us to will and to do of his good pleasure. There is a process, and it is a mysterious process, of God's patience and his perseverance in working with us. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, Great is the mystery of godliness, how God patiently perseveres in working with us to get us to where he is getting us to. And he has a track for each of one each one of us. No two of us are being grown and matured in Christ on the same track. So sometimes somebody will see something differently than you because they're at a different place in their journey and God is, has them there for a purpose. So be patient with them because God isn't finished with them yet and patient with yourself because God isn't finished with you yet. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. The Lord shall lift him up. God doesn't give up on his people. Do not be disappointed. God is at work. And he is incredibly forgiving. Thank you, Jim Pope. I don't know if you're in our audience this morning. Prior to Easter, I was thinking my way through in, ha in preparation for having the opportunity to share with the Mien Church a message that was to be broadcast and, uh, and taken uh, uh, literally around the world by courier into places that normally the gospel doesn't go. And so I was thinking about what to share. And Jim Pope shared with me right back in the back of the sanctuary a message that he had preached based on Mark chapter 16 where the disciples uh, were told, uh, or the ladies were told, to go to the disciples from the empty tomb. And they were given this instruction, go tell my disciples and Peter about the resurrection. 
And Jim made a point to me, and Peter. Why was Peter singled out? Because Peter had so miserably failed his Lord just hours before when he had denied him three times. And there was a special word to Peter of encouragement. And in one of the last venues in John's gospel, in John 21, do you remember the exchange between Jesus and Peter? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Why did he ask him that three times? Because Peter had denied him three times. And Jesus wanted to make it abundantly for clear, you are forgiven. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Get on about the business of ministry. I knew about your failure before. Remember I told you, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. I, I forgive you, Peter. Do you need that forgiveness? Do you ever feel the need for it? Maybe even this morning, you've done something, you've thought something. Maybe as we've been talking, you realize, yes, I'm not perfect yet. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whatever you did, whatever you thought, he knew about it before it took place. He died for it and paid for it and offers forgiveness in your walk. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One last no, no, no. Do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged with Jesus Christ, but rather be confident in him. The problem that we face often is a problem of doubt. Dr. Merrill Tinney is quoted as having said, don't doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. We are prone in the dark times in our lives to doubt, even to doubt Christ. Don't doubt him. Be confident in him. Be confident of the fact that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation? Absolutely none. There is no condemnation. There is no judgment. Be confident of the fact that Christ, who loves you and has entered your life through faith, is working all things together for those who love God to the called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. That's not just a verse for our times of sorrow, as we so often apply it, and it's very appropriately applied there. But it's a verse for everyday living. Every day of our lives, all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And beware of the climactic statement of assurance in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, where it tells us that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What shall separate us from the love of Christ, Paul says, as he climaxes this chapter of assurance. And notice Romans chapter 8 is juxtaposed to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 where he 
bemoaned his sinfulness, Romans chapter 8, he revels in the assurance, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? Knowing all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The same Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says this, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it in the day of Jesus Christ. He who has begun the beginning when you accepted Christ. He who has begun a good work and you began a good work. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it, will perfect it in the day of Jesus Christ. Not only did God enter into our lives at the beginning, but God is at work through our lives to the end where he causes us to be with Jesus and like Jesus. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, do not be discouraged with Jesus. Be confident in him. He knows what he's doing. He's at work in your life. He's at work in this world. There are many things of which we are justifiably concerned. But have your confidence in Jesus Christ. He knows where things are headed. And we know, my friends, how the book ends. Pray with me this morning, would you? Father, thank you this morning for your love and your grace in our lives. That we can say no to disillusionment and embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we can say no to disappointment with people because you are at work within them and within us. And Lord, thank you that we can say no to discouragement because Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords and he knows where he's taking us and what his plan is. And thank you for your grace all along the way. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I hope these words from God's word have been an encouragement to you this morning.